I mean, when you're a baby, you like you get born and everything gets done for you, and you know, food goes in the top and stuff comes out the bottom and it gets cleaned for you, and <laughs> and um, but then there's a point where you, you know the Lord takes us into more. You know, the example would be Jesus. Jesus living, getting baptized, and then the Holy Spirit coming upon him, and then what what happens straight away? He gets taken into the desert for 40 days, and he gets tested. And there he fasted. Let me just say to you, if you're worried about food for one day, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you can go a long time without food. Drink your water. You can even go up to three days without water. That's what I've never tried it. But um, I think the longest I fasted was five days. The whites of my eyes turned yellow. I thought it was a demon, but it wasn't. But I, I believe like God is taking this congregation into a new level of maturity. And I think what that level of maturity is, is you've got a bunch of wonderful pastors here. You've got a bunch of wonderful community leaders. And we, we really take care of one another and we really help and we really pray and we really counsel. But Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, sometimes there's something other people can do. And then there's sometimes things that I must do. And there's things that I would like to do for you, but I can't. Because they're yours to do. And I think that's the season that the Lord is wanting to take you guys into. And in order to understand that, in order to really... How come you, how come you become more like Jesus? What makes you become more like Jesus? I'm, I'm just a real question to real people that are sitting over there. I'm expecting an answer. Now, you don't become more like Jesus by putting your fleshly desires first. Maybe by putting them last. Yes, by not putting your fleshly desires. But how do you manage to do that? Because your flesh is strong, eh? You're going to find that out when you're fasting. I mean, you're going to think you're dying. You're going to be miles away from dying. But you're going to want to eat. So the flesh is strong, and the Bible uses it as, as our desires. He baits you, and your flesh hooks into it, and then it's like, it's difficult. But you overcome those by prayer and fasting. Sometimes fasting that flesh and praying so that you will get power. And so what is this power of the gospel? And there's that one scripture, I think I gave it to you. It's 1 Timothy 3.16. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So there's a way that we should behave in the household of God. The elders are teaching you that. The community leaders are. Which is the church, so the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation, the ground of truth. Great indeed, we confess. Hello? <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. Prophetic word, is it the Lord speaking? Yes. Great indeed is this mystery of godliness. What's godliness? Godliness is becoming more like Jesus. What's the mystery here? Do you become more like Jesus by applying your willpower? It might help. A little bit of fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. Do you become more like Jesus by dancing and jumping and coming to church and going to community and doing re religious ritual? 
Well, it's got some benefit. It's better than going to the club and drinking. Do you become more like Jesus by making rules and obeying them? Well, rules aren't bad because they kind of keep you on the track and in the right direction. But what is it about the gospel that changes us? What is this mystery that this message that we have been given, that God so loved the world, that he sent his only son to die for you on a cross, and that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us have gone our own ways, sought our own things. And that the wages of sin is death. And when you heard that message, something in your heart went, there was a conviction that came into your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. And then what did you do? He said, yes, I feel it. It's like, it's more than just coming through my ears and into my head. It's something that, that touched my being. And when I responded to that in faith, what happened to you? I changed. I became new. I became a new creation. Like we last time I spoke about that new creation. A kainoskatesis. So speaking in tongues. And so this gospel that we have been given is that one moment is your first moment of rhema, hearing God's voice speaking into your heart, and then there must be many moments. And sometimes what happens in a church like this, because the elders care and the community leaders care, and we, we've, we're very high on shepherding. We want every person to make it to Jesus one day. And we're going to be with you, and we're going to, and you're going, there's just going to be a little problem, and there's going to be someone there to pray with you. And there's going to be someone there to give you advice. And that advice might be good, but is it God speaking to your heart? Because if it's not touching your heart, it's not transforming you. Even now tonight, there was a call that was made. Let's all jolt and let the chains fall off. And th that was the Lord. I mean, when Sammy, you spoke that word? That was the Lord. But when you got up on that stage, or when you started dancing, did you do it with the faith that the Lord had convicted your heart to dance? Or were you just dancing because everyone else was dancing? You see, the one is just ritual. It's like the Sadducees. You know, in Paul's gospel, he said, our gospel is the real gospel, and which means there were fake gospels out there. There were three, at least three fake ones that we know about. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. And maybe the Sakari. I don't quite know. I don't know. Maybe Stefan can tell you what that means. They weren't. They were assassins. The zealots. The zealots. And the Sikari was the knife they stuck them with. Hey. Sorry, I got a little bit wrong. And so when, are you still with me? I don't want to talk too long. It's going to be difficult. Should we read more scripture? Okay, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always, all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry, just go back to the previous one. No, no, go to the next one. If you guys are good, I go to the next one. 
Go for, no, 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 back. Where are we? <laughs> yes, this thing's powerful, eh? Why don't you guys stand with me? <laughs> For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. God has chosen you. He knows you by name. He's numbered the amount of hairs on your head. Not counted them, numbered them. That means there's a number one somewhere. I don't know how he chooses which one's one. And then for some of us, it might go, it might go up to three. <laughs> and then some of you go up to like a million. But God's counted, and so God's personally involved, but he's chosen you. He knows you by name. He knows your circumstance. He knows what you did last night, the good and the bad. He knows you. There's nothing hidden from his sight. And yet he still chooses you. How do you know that you're chosen? Go to the previous verse. You know that you're chosen when you have those properties. Remembering before, remembering before our God. I got stuck and I got hit in my mouth by a fin. And I got three stitches. No, not a shark fin. A surfboard fin. If I got hit in my mouth by a shark fin, like I wouldn't be here. Now I'm battling with the P's and the B's. It's like, this is dead. You know, like when you go to the dentist and it's like, kind of like coming back, it's kind of like sore dead. Can I ask you guys pray for me? So I'm just saying, if I, I battle with my pronunciation, <laughs> pronunciation, my pronunciation, you know, kind of like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Can I have water, please? Um, Remembering before our God and our Father, your work of faith, if you have been chosen and if this gospel has been effective in your heart, if the Spirit now flows through you, you will have works of faith. Meaning, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and He'll ask you to do something. And when you do it, the Father is pleased and you feel Pleasingness of the Father over your life. Go and pray for someone. Maybe call someone. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Holy Spirit, if you save the Holy Spirit in your heart and He's longing to communicate with you. And He wants to use you in His body because where's Jesus? Well, it's better that He goes away because when He goes away, He will come, the Holy Spirit. And He'll live inside of our hearts. And now we will do greater works than Him. More, in other words. Now, in this room alone, there's like 120 And so the Holy Spirit will speak to us and we will do works. And when we do those works, it's exciting to be used by God because now I'm finding my purpose, I'm finding my identity, and the love of the Lord is in me and it's, it's so exciting. I mean, who of you have been used by God? And it's just like, whoa, it feels so good. And then you be a Christian for 20 years and then it's not so exciting anymore. You know, that's where the elders are at. We're like, you know, that's when the work of faith turns to a labor of love. I'm like, Jesus, I eventually said to the elders, Rue, the problems remain the same. It's just the faces that change. It's the same thing. It's relational issues, marriage issues, financial issues, pornography issues, purity issues. It remains the same thing because the devil uses the same strategy with all of us. And the Bible actually said that we should take comfort in that. 
Because nothing has come across your path that we don't, haven't all of us faced, including Jesus. And that enables Jesus to run to your aid when you call out to him, Hebrew says. So when you are tempted, what do you do? Steve? Stefan? You must do that too. <laughs> Not so loud. And pick your time. All right. If you've got the demon at 11, he'll still be there at 6. You've been walking around with that thing for 30 years? Don't worry. We want to help you in the Lord. But laboring is hard. It's good to rely on the body of Christ. But it's better to call out to the Lord. The first thing you should do is call out to the Lord. Because he's the author and the perfect of your faith. He's the one that's in your heart. He's the one that's got the power. It's better to seek the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's better to read the word and allow it to permeate you and allow the Holy Spirit to come and make those words alive in your heart. Because it's only the words that become alive that are effective. Because when the words turn from Logos to Rhema, there's faith. And when you respond in that faith, there's change. And so what I'm saying is, is we need to become a people that dig our own wells. Because this is a wonderful church. But what will change you is Jesus. And the reason we're a wonderful church is not because we're in like a club. And the problem with you guys are you are a lack of club. You're attractive. You're young. You're full of energy. It, it's, people want to be here. But it's Jesus. He's the X factor. He's the one that brings us together. He's the one that motivates us. He's the one that lives in us. He's the one that teaches us. Because Jeremiah, doesn't Jeremiah say that I will make a new covenant with you? Not like the old covenant where it was written on tablets of stone. But I will write it upon your heart. And I will write it upon your mind. And you will say it's no longer necessary for each one to teach his neighbor. Because I will teach you. And it's no longer necessary to say to each other, know the Lord. Because each one of you will know the Lord. And that is the mystery of the gospel. That Christ became flesh. And then he became spirit. And now we flesh and the spirit lives inside of us. You see, we can be godly. Only because the Spirit lives in us. And that godliness works itself out in His presence as we allow Him to shepherd us in each and every situation of our lives. And that is sometimes difficult. Because God doesn't always answer your prayers straight away. Sometimes He allows you to go through difficult desert times like He did with Jesus. And at the end, when you think you can't do it anymore. He sends the devil. I mean, that's what happened. Imagine this. Glory moment. Baptism. Holy Spirit visibly coming out of the sky, landing on Jesus, remaining on him. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Wow. 
people are like, whoa, it's the Lamb of God. You're off into the desert. I think the first day he was like, well, this is all right. Going on a little bit of a walkabout. I think, what is it like by about the 10th day, that, I mean, those rocks are starting to look like bread. And after 40 days, he sends the enemy to tempt him. Because you, because, I'm going to say this, because you cannot, because we cannot overcome spiritual forces by physical means. It's impossible. The fight that we fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Therefore, when you are at your weakest, you are at your strongest. Because then you have no resource, no means, and no capabilities, and no abilities of your own. That's why fasting is good. Because fasting makes you lose your own abilities and makes you trust in God's abilities. And then you'll fight the devil, and he will not put you something that you cannot endure. He will not tempt you beyond what you're able to go through. Because he is true and faithful to himself, and he will give you a way out. And so for those of you that are struggling with addictions, how do you get out of those things? Seek the Lord. Live in accountability and confess and repent and do all those things, but seek the Lord. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And by allowing him to shepherd you, you will have the ability to say no. You might stumble and fall a couple of times, but you will have victory. And I believe that's the message that the Lord has for you guys. It's not a lacquer message. Because there's fighting coming. You guys have to start fighting. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's going to be some scars. There's going to be some labor. There's going to be some tears. There's going to be some frustration. The Lord hasn't left you. The Lord has given you his authority to overcome. You have to overcome the devil. Because he that overcomes, what does Revelation say? Those that overcome will inherit and receive the crown of life. And so that's our portion. If you live in a physical body, you have a soul, a mind, a will, and an emotion, but you're actually a spirit. You have to overcome the spirit of this world. And as you overcome, guess what happens? The kingdom of God extends in you and you become more godly. And God sees you faithful and he gives you more so that you can overcome, so that the kingdom can extend, so that you can overcome, so that the kingdom can extend, so that you can bring others into the kingdom because this is war. And the stakes are high because people are dying. And so I feel like God's calling you guys to maturity. So that it does, it, it's no longer about me. It's no longer just about us. It's about those people that are dying out there. Going to a Christless eternity in hell. You have the good news. You have the gospel in you. You've got the power. You've got the message. You've got the Holy Spirit. 
you've got full conviction. Those are the four things that the true gospel has. So can I ask that we stand together tonight? If you, don't, wait, wait, wait. Think about, think about this one. I'm going to tell you a story and then, and then I'm going to ask you to stand. A couple of years back, I made this stupid mistake. I was driving my car and I stopped at the robot there by Mollerton Medical Clinic. On the left, I was going to Cape Town. Normally there where they catch you because there's a camera there somewhere. I've been caught there twice. <laughs> I don't know quite where that camera is. I was only going 70, so don't worry. And I said to myself this. 71, actually. They won't catch you at 70. I can hear you guys thinking. He's lying. <laughs> Was it a 40 zone? Really? <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> Plead ignorance. <laughs> And I said to myself, I don't know where this thought came from. God tricked me. I said to myself, I want to be more like Jesus. And I prayed it. And for two years, my life went into chaos. My finances didn't work out. My friends like ignored me. It was just, my work sucked. It was just terrible. Eventually, I was like, I went to the elder and said, please pray for me. What's going on? And the elders prayed for me, and they said, well, there's nothing wrong. You're not living in sin. We just believe that the Lord's working Jesus into your life because he's making you holy. That scripture that Steve read earlier, he's consecrating you because he wants to use you as an honorable vessel in his house. If you have a desire to be used in God's house, you have to go through the cleaning process. And the cleaning process sucks. Like I'm just straight up, it sucks. But there's no easy way. There's no omo in the kingdom. It's just, it's God's process or not. And so, well, maybe there is omo in the kingdom, I don't know. Are we going to wear clothes one day? I'm not sure. Okay, here's the call. If you want to be godly, which is a mystery... And you want to offer yourself as a living sacrifice before the Lord. You want to be used by the Lord. You want to go through his process. I want you to stand. You're not going to know what you're volunteering for. I just want to say to the elders, if you thought it was bad now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And listen, no condemnation if you don't stand. <laughs> Kneelings may be better. But why don't we pray this prayer? Because you know what's so beautiful about this? Is that this life is nothing. It really is nothing. Sometimes we think this is eternity. This is just the start. And by offering yourself as a living sacrifice, you know when each and every one of us do this and we get fixed, God can fit us properly into the right place. And we reflect a body that, that's Jesus. And people, the world goes, what's that? Why are they happy within such hectic circumstance? It's because, not because we're happy. It's because we're joyous. Our joy comes from the Spirit. It's not to do with our circumstance. Because eternity is constant. And so just reach out your hands in front of you. Say, so Jesus, <laughs> tonight, 
with fear and trepidation. We honor you. We acknowledge that you died first. And therefore, we can also die. Help us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices before you so that your kingdom can be glorified. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Just stand and just keep your eyes closed. There might be someone here tonight you've never given your heart to Jesus. And the gospel is really simple. You know the Bible says all have sinned and... (laughs) You guys are right with your eyes closed. It looks a little bit strange. Okay, I'm first going to preach the gospel, then we're going to close our eyes. The gospel is really simple. It's a really, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't need to make sense because the Holy Spirit is the one that makes conviction of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And so here's the gospel. Really simple message. Everyone that's born on this earth after Adam and Eve have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word sin is a martyr. means to miss the mark, which means not that you have maybe actively done something wrong, but you probably have. And you've probably seared your conscience. And you've probably stepped over a line. It's probably all those things. But the first sin that you have is, is that you're not living in the thing or the purpose that God has made you for. Because you haven't known. You don't know why you're here. Because you don't have connection with your maker. Because when Eve and Adam sinned, that connection was broken. And so Jesus came back so that you could get a SIM card in your heart. You could get back on the network. All right? So that's why the Bible says all have sinned. And that includes you because all of us get born and we're like, God, why am I here? It's kind of confusing. And then we try this and we try that and we try this. And we never quite, I mean, the chances of finding why you're here is the probability is like impossible. But God knows because he made you in your mother's womb, the Bible says. And he consecrated you. He's made you right for a job. And he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And you might have looked around and searched and searched. And you're actually disillusioned and a little bit naffy because I just can't, I'm not finding it. And that's the gospel is that Jesus came to die for your sins, that that disconnectedness, plus the stuff that you did wrong. Because now the stuff that you did wrong, now you've someone got a burden on you too. Because you know that when you do stuff wrong, it's like, I mean, you just know, right? Yeah, you know. And somehow we just know there's a consequence to that. So now it's not just the fact that we just don't know what we're here for. It's also the fact that now we're fearful. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus, so that you don't have to be fearful and so that you can come into His presence and find out why you're here. You'll find out the plan and the purpose and destiny of your life. If you do not accept that now, because hell wasn't made for us. Hell was made for the devil and his angels because there was a rebellion sometime in heaven. But because we under the prince of this world, which is the devil and his demons, and we're listening to them, if we don't accept Jesus' sacrifice, we'll also go there. And so God loves you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But there's no other way to get out of this. Because it's Jesus or nothing. Therefore, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Good works is not going to help you because a thousand good works is not going to take away the one bad one you did. 
A thousand good works is not also not going to put the SIM card in your heart. That's why good works don't work. The Bible says we think it's good, but God actually thinks it stinks. So even what we think is good is bad. 